is that if Matt Platt comes across that restaurant that he loves and he high fives the owner and they they already have his Mountain Dew poured when he walks in, yes, and I see their promotion on Facebook, I share it and I transfer the trust to my friends and go, this is my place. These guys are awesome. These are the owners. You got to go. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. You know, I'm excited to have Mr. Matt Plapp with me from America's Best Restaurants and also Restaurant Marketing That Works. Now, Matt and I have been working together for quite some time. I consider him a friend and a colleague, but I really believe his message. You know, he started out as a sales guy so long ago in a field that's sort of dominated by people trying to sell you things. Matt had a really refreshing approach and was all about listening and trying to solve the client's problems, not trying to sell them something. And that formed the basis for America's Best Restaurants. Now he's taking his show on the road. He works with restaurants every single day, and he's got a proven formula of five steps to marketing success. We're going to talk all about those things. This episode is full of nuggets, key learnings, and marketing that is instantly actionable. So don't miss it. Listen on. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Guys, I've always believed in systems to run a really effective restaurant. They say you have a system if you can walk away and leave your place for a day, a week, or a month. And it's just as successful, just as profitable when you return, if not more so. Now, the staff are really the foundation of this. And it all comes down to the word empowerment. You know, if you've got really great people and if you can develop those people to have your back and to run it as if they owned it, treat everything as if they had to pay for it, that's a super powerful system. Once you have the staff in place, it really comes down to three things. It comes down to, one, staff training. Development, recognition, and rewards to create what I call your dream team. How to empower your team to think and act like owners and to treat everything as if they owned it and had to pay for it. And to deliver amazing guest service experiences to your customers. To serve and sell because sales are the lifeblood of your business. Not allowing order takers on the floor, but teaching everyone to recognize opportunities and make suggestions that we know the customers will enjoy and appreciate. It all comes down to training, training, training. Number two, cost controls and maximizing profit. You need to know your critical financial numbers on a weekly basis, and it only takes 10 minutes, but you need to understand these things. How about your daily break-even? How much it costs you to open the doors to your restaurant each day? Inventory is not just walking around and figuring out what your order is that week. It's knowing the true value of your goods on hand at any given point in time. And you need this information to be able to calculate your true food and beverage costs. Your labor costs are also important. And running a weekly labor analysis against sales. If you know these things, I can teach you how to maximize your profit and control your costs. And then number three is what I call marketing firepower and affinity. You know, affinity is defined as a really powerful sense of loyalty and belonging where your customers become raving fans and they're like an army of brand ambassadors spreading the word for your restaurant. Well, all of this is included in the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. If you really want to take your restaurant to the next level, post-pandemic, things are heating up, customers are coming back, Now's the time to really maximize your opportunities, maximize your sales and profits, and create that dream team staff. Check it out at restaurantrockstars.com. 
It's the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. Thanks so much. Rockstars, let me tell you about Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed for restaurateurs by restaurateurs. Effective labor management is more important than ever to maximize profit and success, especially now as restaurants begin to reopen and expand their teams. Trusted by over half a million restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to simplify scheduling, easily manage time and attendance, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll systems you already use and trust, turning your team into a competitive advantage to your business. Right now, Restaurant Rockstar's listeners can get three months absolutely free. Get started now at sevenshifts.com forward slash restaurant rockstars. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com forward slash restaurant rockstars to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Now on with the episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and I'm so excited to have Mr. Matt Plapp, and he is the CEO of America's Best Restaurants. Welcome to the show, Matt. How are you today? I'm living the dream. I appreciate you having me on. You are living the dream. Now, you know, this restaurant business that we're all in, hospitality, it's all about passion, and the pandemic has beaten this industry up so bad, and you are like the shining light that helps restaurants move forward through the pandemic. It's all about reigniting the passion for restaurants. And you're like right at the forefront of that. So I'm so excited to have you here. First of all, let's talk orange. Orange is your signature color. And it's all, well, I'm wearing your shirt. Thank you very much. And these are actually your initials. We're wearing the same shirt. And that's a fist bump. That's also your initials. So tell us all about orange and fist bumps and all that sort of stuff. Let's get, let's kick it off there. So the orange came on accident uh, about, well, it came on accident, but apparently it's been there for a long time. Like we were just talking about snow skiing off the air. And right. after I realized our brand colors were going to be orange, like three, four years ago, I looked back and my ski outfits for the last 10 years have been orange. <laughs> and I think it's just a color that found me. Uh, and I had a business coach about, I guess it was 2018, 2017, actually. He had uh, seen we had a conference and he told us all to wear his shirt that he had for a big photo shoot. Mm -hmm. so I wore his shirt and then I'm walking down the hallway and he's like, Matt, what are you doing? I said, I'm wearing this shirt you threatened us to wear yesterday. And he's like, no, you wear, you only wear orange. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, have you not looked at your YouTube channel before? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I guess not. I look and I had orange in every damn video. <laughs> and so I had, I had a lot of different golf shirts I always wore. And I guess I wore the orange more often than not. And, uh, you know, I, at that point, I had always been looking for a way to identify and brand. Uh, and at that point, I had never really done it. And he said, Matt, when people call our company looking for restaurant advice, we say Matt Plapp and they go, the guy in orange. And they go, yeah. And they, okay. So there I am today. So now there's a orange shoe. I wear orange shoes every day. I wear an orange shirt every day. I have sweatshirts, golf shirts, t-shirts. I have orange sports car. We have orange wrapped Sprinter vans for our company, our headquarters. Uh, there's a little orange behind me, but our headquarters are here. We have 9,000 square foot building. And I bet 15% of the walls are orange. So uh, it's just, I like the color, uh, number one, but number two, I think it's an, uh, obviously an energizing color. It's it's motivating, it's it's energy. Uh, and then the fist bump MP came from me looking for a logo. I wanted to have a logo that I could rock uh, you know, for myself that didn't say Matt Plapp or America's Best Restaurants or Restaurant Marketing That Works because nobody really cares about those things. And so I gave our designer, I said, hey, Here's my initials. Make me something that doesn't look like my initials because I had seen a company out in uh, in Arizona called Sixth Division, and they had a cool logo that was like Star Wars lookish, and it was a six and a D 
Yeah. If you knew that's what it was, if you didn't know that's what it was, you thought that's a cool design. And of course my designer came back with stuff that was lame. It literally was a bunch of different MPs and different fonts. And I went to Google where we all go for everything, right? We go to YouTube or Google to solve life's problems. Yes, and I found after on about the, and I haven't been able to find it lately. I went to find it again because somebody asked what the initial like motive, like, what was the thing that got me to this point with that logo? And I found it on about the hundredth page of Google and it was an M and a P and the way it was looking, I don't know if it was meant like this or not, but there was a separation between it. And I'm like, wow, I saw a fist bump when I saw it. Maybe that was that guy's motivation. It was uh, green and green and yellow, but it was two separate letters with a gap between a pretty decent gap. So I took it and I gave it to another designer and said, Hey, I want you to use this as motivation to create me what looks like a fist bump and then make these five or six changes what I wanted. And about the fifth or sixth iteration, we got it. And now I, I like it because it's uh, to me, a fist bump, uh, even before the pandemic was a great way to greet people. For uh, sure. It's uh, it's motivating. It's like, man, great job. And so uh, that, that was really why I wanted to have you know energy as orange and the fist bump as positivity. And I guess I'm now MP instead of Matt Plapp. That is absolutely a great story, and it is so on point and relevant to these times. You know, when the chips are down, it's like the fist bump just keeps you going. And you meet a lot of people on the road too. You're traveling quite a bit, so let's let's talk about that. You take the vans on the road, you visit restaurants live, you get their best experiences, you encourage them, you motivate them, you inspire them to keep going, and you get so much you know key nuggets of information from all these restaurants. But let's talk about life on the road. What's that like, and how often do you do it? Every week. Uh, so You're out every week. <laughs> I, I, well, awesome. this, there's, I've got four crews. Uh, I'm on the road every other week, but when mm-hmm. I'm home, I'm on the road locally. So like yesterday, I'm home. But this week, I went to 10 restaurants on Wednesday in uh, Cincinnati. I went to eight in Dayton, Ohio, and I went to one yesterday. And I'll visit two or three today. But my crew is filming all the day. Our, our goal is eight to 10 shoots five days a week with uh, per crew. And so we're always on the ground. It's kind of kind of crazy. I was, I was doing the numbers the other day and I was talking to somebody uh, high up at one of the, the big, big food manufacturers. And they said, Matt, we've been watching. I'm speaking at, at Cisco and South Carolina's conference next week. I'm speaking in Vegas at the Alaskan Restaurant Association's conference. And one of the people I had met through those connections said, you've, you've probably been on in more restaurants than anybody I've ever seen in the last no question. years. And he, he asked me the same question. What do you see? What, what, what do you notice? And to me, I don't think there's any way to understand the industry to, except to be in the four walls. And that was one of the reasons we started doing it years ago was it's very easy in my business. The, our main company's marketing. We have America's Best Restaurants is two companies. Company number one is Restaurant Marketing That Works, which is the you know, namesake of my book, my new book. But it's also the division that works with hundreds of restaurants, 40 plus employees that help restaurants find customers and retain them. The other side of the company is our TV show, America's Best Restaurants, which just started debuting this past month. We've been filming for about three years, hardcore the last six months. That part of the company is all about getting people uh, on camera and helping restaurants tell their story. And I'll tell you how that came about with the pandemic at a different different level. But the big thing for me about four years ago, three, four years ago, as I looked at it, I said, hey, as a marketing professional, I could do what everybody else does. I could sit in an office in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, and I could do Zoom calls all day long. Never walk in a restaurant, never see uh, you know, Burger Parlor and Joseph Mahone's concept out in California, which is now Jack's tender, fish and chicken tenders. I could never see Cali barbecue with uh with uh, my mind went blank with Ryan out there. 
I could never see these different businesses and do what everybody else does. Or I could do what I know is right and get out of the office, get on the streets and talk to people and find out what's hurting their business, what's helping their business. I'll give you a quick story in there. Two days ago, I'm at a restaurant. We're filming an episode and the company, we're talking to the owner. My guys are filming. They're getting all the B-roll and I'm just talking to the owner. And he's like, Matt, one of the coolest things we do is every Friday, we send out an email blast of 1,400 people that goes out about these different events we do. And it helps a lot. And I said, so if that 1,400 was 2,800, what would it do? Man, it would obviously double our effort. I said, and if that 2,800 was 5,600, what would it do? Unbelievable. I said, when we get done, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to show you five or six things you can do to increase that database. So to me, hearing that story and being able to show him the ability to take that 1,400 to 10,000, 20,000, because that's what's possible, is what I love doing. That's amazing. That is so killer. Let's start with your backstory because you started off in radio and TV advertising, which gave you a really super foundation for what you're doing now. So let's let's talk about that because you're a speaker and a teacher and a consultant, and you really got the FaceTime with the restaurant operator, but it really comes from deep experience and school of hard knocks and all the things you learned and pioneering a new and better way and now having proven results. So let's talk about the beginning and how it led you here. Yeah. So 1998, I worked in TV when I was in college. I guess I did about two years in TV. My goal was to be the next, you know, Chris Berman. That's what every former athlete wants to do is you want to be on TV. You want to be going back, 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 back. He catches the ball. You know, that was my goal. And I got the rude awakening when I got a job in TV and I had two chances. I had a job in Cincinnati, basically doing the teleprompter for 725 an hour as a college graduate or going to Minnesota and making $13 an hour and uh, filming, filming and being on air at a little podunk small TV station. Luckily, I stayed home because it kind of scared me, honestly, to go somewhere that that far away for $13 an hour. I was doing the math like, okay, how, how do I buy food? And so I stayed home. Uh, and at the same time, I, I, my, my boss, George Vogel, who was an icon in Cincinnati sports TV, would walk me out to the parking lot every day. And I thank him for that. I saw him about two months ago at a golf and I said, dude, thank you. Uh, he would walk me out. He didn't realize what he was doing, but he'd say, Matt, Look at the right side of the parking lot and look at the left side. What do you see? I'm like, well, the left side's loaded with Beamers and Mercedes and Jags. That's, that's the baller cars. What's the right side? I'm like, well, it's like Chevys and Toyotas and you know, nice cars, but nothing crazy. He's like, that's the on-air on the right. The left is the sales department. Go in the sales, get the heck out of the business. <laughs> and he had told me that. He, he And I remember later on, him and I had a conversation after I was like three years into the, the advertising sales game and I was killing it. He said, Matt, I, I could see you had the ability to do both, but I also knew that the number of white guys that applied for a job on air and got it in 1999 was not very high. And so your success path was using your mouth to help people understand how to market better. And so I went to the sales and what, what happened with the restaurant business with me and radio was kind of the only place to start was I started selling advertising for WGRR back in, uh, I guess it was March 13th of 1999 was my first day. And I don't know why I remember that date, but I, I always do. And I looked at, you had a count list, you had people you could call on. And what I loved about it was I was so naive and so passionate and so hardcore. My dad taught me how to sell. And the one thing he always taught me was don't sell, listen. And if they're talking about something that you can deliver, have a conversation and bring it back. If they're talking about something that you know you can't deliver, help find somebody that can. Don't sell. That if you're selling all the time, it comes across and you end up just having one night stands in the sales world. 
if you listen, you might not make a sale now, but you'll make a sale in five years and you'll have a friend and a relationship for life. And so I always did that. And so early on, all the good clients were taken, you know, the car dealerships, the furniture stores, somebody had them on the air or had them on account list. You couldn't call them. The one list nobody used was restaurants. I remember asking somebody, man, why, why is nobody calling on restaurants? There's no restaurants on the air. There's all these great restaurants around our city. Oh, they can't afford radio. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, they can't spend four or five grand. I'm like, well, then why are you trying Then sell them 500? I'm not messing with a $500 sale. Hell, I'll mess with it. I got nothing else to lose. So I went out and started talking to restaurants, Willie Sports Cafe, uh, Grater's Ice Cream was a brand locally that wasn't on the radio, even though they're the biggest ice cream brand in the area. Now they are, but back then they weren't uh, on the air. Uh, Ferrari's Little Italy was a little Italian restaurant, still is in Madeira, Ohio. And I went to all of them and said, hey, I understand that radio is not the most efficient place for you, uh, but this is before the internet and email and text weren't big back then. But I said, hey, I've got an audience of 35 plus adults. They eat food, obviously. They're the most influential in your space. Let's come up with a way that you can afford to be on our station. And so we did half cash, half trade. And we did, instead of drive time all the time during the week, we would pick Saturdays, four o'clock to six o'clock. That's when parents are coming home from soccer games. That's when they're coming home from sports and they're running their errands and they're going to do something at night. Well, that's also when you know, Coca-Cola and Procter and & Gamble and the car dealers aren't buying advertising. So I'm like, hey, I looked at the, I looked at all of our inventory and said, here's the best opportunity. You can get five commercials for 250 bucks a week in this window. It's a thousand bucks a month. You do 500 bucks cash, you do 500 bucks trade because I need a place to take clients. I'm going to bring people that are business owners to your restaurant and they're going to enjoy it and come back. So it worked both ways. And Next thing you know, within probably 18 months, I was known as the trade king. I had any, at any point in my desk, I had 25 to 30 grand uh, in trade and I had 30 or 40 restaurants on the air and they all loved it because they were seeing traction. I mean, advertising is one thing, it's awareness and it's where you can afford to get awareness that's going to help you the most. And so for me back then, you know, they don't have the awesome places we have today, like websites and Google and Yelp and Facebook and Instagram and email and text and messenger. Back then, it was paid advertising or stand on the sidewalk with a sign. And so for me, that was a great opportunity for most of these restaurants, and it worked well. I mean, we were joking yesterday with one of my uh, sales directors, Doug Smith. On an average week, I would lose $2,500 a week and trade to him on Papa Shot because we had a Papa Shot in our office, and he was the king. And it was funny. His wife blamed me for gaining 20 pounds one year. She's like, Matt, we ate at Grater's. Willie Sports Cafe in Montgomery Inn every week because you were so bad at Papa Shot. You know, so many things come to mind in what you just said. First of all, I love the authentic, genuine approach because 99% of the world in sales just tries to close the deal. And we heard you listen, you find out what the pain points, the challenges are, and if you can help them, then you deliver honestly and genuinely a product that will help them. It's not about making an immediate sale. Like you said, it's a one-shot deal you know, try to sleep with them on the first date kind of thing. And that was beautiful. But in this business, as you probably know from speaking to so many restaurants, I mean, I, I've been in the business for 23 years and I don't think there's a day that the phone doesn't ring where there's somebody trying to sell you something you think you don't need. So there's so much clutter out there and we tend to just sort of shut the door. Salesmen are walking in all the door, all the, you know, all day long with no appointments, just walking in the back door, trying to speak to the owner, the manager and the decision maker. It got to be really, really annoying so giving them this fresh approach where you simply have a solution and you're not trying to sell something, you're trying to solve a problem 
is a beautiful thing. That that's a tremendous story. I think that's great. Now you love eating out also. Like you're in the perfect business because you eat out all the time. You've got a whole slew of, you know, favorite restaurants. But you also mention in your book a really interesting sort of a, I don't know if it's a paradigm shift, but it's there's something called the lifetime value of a customer that you're famous for. And I want to really dive deep into that. But there are restaurants that you enjoy that don't really reach out to you that could get more of your business had they done the right thing. So let's talk about the lifetime value of a customer. And then let's talk about what restaurants, what mistakes restaurants are making that could be getting more repeat regular business from people that like them and are aware of. So the the lifetime value is is it's this our country is built on not looking at lifetime value. And I'll use a, an opposite example. I own a gym as well. I'm a minority investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a business consultant for him. I got suckered into it eight years ago. The one thing I've noticed a lot that resonates with me with the gym and weight loss, and it does business owners with advertising, yeah. is the always quick fix. Like I had a friend of mine who joined the gym a couple of years ago, and this was a candid conversation. We grew up together. He's a great guy. I love him like he's a brother. He's in the gym and he's like, how quick can this happen? I said, dude, you gained a hundred pounds in 10 years. You didn't get fat in two months. Like that, you screwed up. You you neglected your body with nutrition and with exercise the last 10 years. It's going to take you two to five years of working your butt off to fix it. And he didn't like that answer. And a lot of America doesn't. They want a a diet pill. They want some- Yeah, quick fix, right? Exactly. And that's the problem with Mm -hmm. marketing. Yep. is a lot of restaurants, they want to be able to turn something on and it happened. I told a restaurant the other day, we were talking about it. And I said, so if you're so concerned with upfront results, why do you have a sign on your building? What do you mean? So your sign's not going to, I mean, your sign is $25,000. You didn't buy that, amortize it over a month and say, if this thing doesn't work, it's coming down. You bought it because you knew you had to have a sign so people could see when they drove by and they knew as a landmark, that's the place I'm going. I said, you need to look at all your marketing that way. And as hard, much as it pains people, at the end of the day, it all comes down to one thing, impressions slash awareness. The more impressions you have on an audience over the course of the next two, three, four, five years, the better you are. You're not going to always see a short-term result ROI and I kind of blame myself for that because the last five or six years, uh, I've been the champion of proving upfront sales results that, hey, we're going to run this marketing campaign in your store, on your website, on your Facebook and Instagram. We're going to take your old email list. We're going to get them to take these actions and you're going to see this many walk in. You're going to see this much money. And my only goal of that the last, like let's say five or six years, it started around 2015, was to be able to say, look, this is that little shot in the arm you want to see. This is that first five pounds that you lose of the hundred. Now, you know, if you keep doing this, it will snowball and build up. But what happens is that's like, they look at it and say, I want to see this result in three months, four months. And like I told a guy about two months ago, I was having a conversation. I said, dude, your restaurant food is awesome. Your environment's awesome. The service, the servers are great. Your marketing sucks. I said, I'm not being mean. It's just not good. You're not a marketing professional. You're an amazing restaurateur. You're not going to fix that problem in six months. I said, you better buckle down if you plan on spending money, time, and energy for three to four years to get where you want to go. And people don't want to hear that. And that's the the unfortunate part. And I also understand the other side of it is every day somebody's knocking on their door with some new way. Oh, I could help you get your reviews ranking higher. I could get you ranking higher on Google. 
I could get you on Facebook better. I could help with social media. I can shoot videos for you. There's a lot of people out there selling stuff. The problem is there's not a lot of people selling long-term solutions. And there's also not a lot of restaurateurs listening for whatever reason. This is an old school business in so many ways. And there's so many restaurants that have not adopted really powerful marketing techniques. Like you just mentioned, it's like, okay, we're, we're restaurateurs, you know, we're running restaurants. We should be running a business. Part of running a business is all about, you know, if you're not an expert at something, finding someone who is an expert at something, but the old school way is thinking, oh, I need to advertise, you know, on radio and TV or do print. And all that old school way is like dumping buckets of money out the window or standing in your walk-in and lighting hundred dollar bills on fire because there's no trackable ROI to that, you know? And that's a huge mistake that I see my clients making. And when I ran restaurants, I never spent money on something I could not track. So your book goes in depth on building a database, how to reach these customers, reach the right customers, how to segment the marketplace. So I really want to dive into the book from start to finish, like step-by-step, because you list certain steps. First, you do this, then you do this, then you do this, and then this is what the results will be. Not should be, but will be if you follow this very simple formula. And it all begins with the database. So here's the book again. It's called Restaurant Market uh, Restaurant Marketing That Works, right? Before and during and after the pandemic. I think that's tremendous because again, this stuff was proven before the pandemic hit and now it's more important than ever. And just when we thought the pandemic was over, it's not over and you still need to do this stuff. So let's start from square one. What's so, your first piece of advice? <laughs> so background on the top of, on the title of the book, it was, I started writing this in late 2019. I've written yeah. two books, which I've got here. Don't 86 your restaurant sales and some more slices. And those were very, very tactical, technical books. Mm-hmm. Some similarities to this book, but I heard from restaurateurs like, dude, you get really deep in like techie stuff. I don't get. And so that kind of bogged me down a little. So this book I started right in 2019. My vision was to write a book that was restaurant marketing that works back to the basics 101. Because I think so many restaurants are skipping the core elements of marketing and do and building a database and building awareness. And so that was the title. Well, I guess it was probably early 2020, late 2020, early 2021. My publisher called me, David Brawler, and said, Hey, what what have you pivoted? Like that's the cool thing. Like, everybody's pivoting. Like, yeah, your, right, right. The buzzword for 2019 and beyond. Like, what did you change in the book? Because he said, You've been writing it the entire time. And I said, I didn't change anything. He goes, What do you mean? Surely you changed something, Matt. Like all these things that happened with to go and pick up and dine in mm-hmm. clothes and restaurants. I said, David, what worked before? worked during, and it will work after. And what I found was the key element of the people that we worked with, because we worked with hundreds of restaurants. We worked, some people that didn't work. We, we helped you out uh, with the, the place your wife has. And our stuff didn't work as well there, I think, because a lot of the conditions where you were, we did it. But we worked with a lot of restaurants that you know, had awesome success, some that had been in between, some that had zero. The key element, we looked back uh, late last summer, early fall, we, key we looked back and saw was that it was the people that had the deepest relationship with their customers and the people that leveraged that. And the way they leveraged it was through attention. And so what the book covers are five tactics. I, I, there's five tactics to me boiled into three. ABR, America's Best Restaurants, but also Attract, Build, Retain. The key to success is attract attention, build a database off the attention, and retain the attention. Because that's where you mentioned earlier, the, the restaurant I use in the book, Walt's Hitching Post. It's one of my favorite restaurants. I ate there yes. for a yes. year. 
that if they had my attention more often, Matt Plapp would eat there 10 times a year. And if I eat there 10 times a year, it's six figures mm-hmm. to the bottom line that they find 100 Matt Plapps. Every yes. restaurant has 100 Matt Plapps out there that you're not talking to enough. It's kind of like having a wife that you don't ever acknowledge. Uh, it's the same thing. And so the book starts from the very front of how to attract awareness. Uh, you know, Peter Wiley from Hothead Burritos told me a couple of years ago, we were having a conversation. He's probably, I'd say this, the best marketing director of any brand, uh, chain brand I've ever talked to. He gets it. And we were talking and he's like, Matt, at the end of the day, if I build up a database of people who know, like, and trust Hothead Burritos, and on a consistent basis, I give them an excuse or he's in us because we do their stuff. You give them an excuse to interact with the brand. They will eat more burritos annually, period. Or in this case, bowls have become the hot thing the last year. Sure. Right, right. Same thing. And, yeah. And so his that was what really got me thinking about it was, okay, it comes down to awareness. How do we reach people more often? And so you can, on the front end, keep buying advertising, radio, TV, billboards, direct mail, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn. Yes. LinkedIn is a missed component for catering sales and even relationships. But all that stuff is awareness on the front end that 90% of it costs money. Well, I'm a big proponent I call spend to build. Spend your time, money, and effort on the front end to build that database. Because that's the second step is that if you build the database now you don't have to spend money to reach Matt Plapp again. You've got my email. You've got my cell phone number. You've got my birthday. You've got a way to reach out to me systematically. Now you can spend that money on the front end to keep finding more Matt Plapps. And I was explaining this the other day in a webinar that if every month you spend, let's say, $1,000. And I ironically had a restaurant tell one of my uh, sales reps the other day that they don't advertise or market at all. And I said, well, you might as well just ask them what their address, get their address and say, hey, I got a buddy that buys old equipment when you guys close. Right. (laughs) You're really frank. If you're in any business, you should be advertising and selling. If you're not selling your product, you're not advertising your product. I don't care if you have the greatest stuff in the world. At some point, it's coming to an end. And so from that standpoint, I look at the database part like, okay, how can we more effectively advertise? And the way to more effectively advertise is always be spending your front-end money to build your database because that allows you then to use the money each month to reach new people. So I always tell clients like, hey, plan on budgeting about $1,000 for paid online media. That $1,000, 75% of it, let's say $750, should be helping you build a database of four to 500 people through Facebook, Instagram, Google, all those places. If you do that, month number two that you start this plan, you spend money to get a new 500 people. Month three, new 500 people. By month four, you got 1,500 people on a database and you're building 500 every month. If you do that over the course of the year, in 12 months, if you've got 6,000 people that have taken an action to give you their information and you'd correctly use it, which is the step five in the book, there's no way you don't have an impact on your sales. It's just literally impossible that if you consistently get people to interact with your marketing, you will have it. The problem is if you don't do what I just said, and you spend that thousand dollars on the front end just to get awareness, it'll work. But you're going to be reaching the same people over and over, and you're going to have not going to have a systematic way to drive them in. So the step two is get people's information, find out their their name, their phone number, their email, their birthday, and their visit frequency. And people ask me a lot, okay, what are the if I'm going to get people's data, how do I get it? 
Uh, and I want to go back real quick though, because there's a couple of things I meant for failed to mention there. So like on the awareness part, we always talk about advertising social media uh, and, and online. The number one place you're getting awareness right now is inside your restaurant. You know, I sat in a restaurant yesterday. We were filming an episode. I was there just to watch and eat selfishly. It was a really cool fried chicken place. And I was watching and I watched 20 people walk in the restaurant, give their credit card, buy chicken and leave. Nobody asked them, hey, have you been here before? Thank hey, what's you. Phone number and email. Yep. You know, they, they didn't do any of that. And so they've got these people coming in. I talked to a Bahama Bucks franchisee a couple months ago. He has a thousand unique people a week on the average month coming in his restaurant. Thousand people. I'm like, dude, we need to get 400 of those people's information every week because now you have your, that's your spent up you somewhere, somewhere you spent money or attention and effort to get them to walk in your restaurant. Let's not let them leave. You're not letting them leave without paying for their food, right? Well, this is more important to me. If you were to give away a hundred snow cones for free in exchange for somebody's information, that information is more valuable than the ten dollars you'd have got for the hundred snow cones each time, because now you have the ability to get Matt Platt back more often. And so, those elements on the front end, you've got your in-store marketing is the number one key. If you're not asking every person in a very convincing manner to give you their information, you're crazy. Number two is your website. Your website. Everybody's going to your website more and more. If you're not harvesting the traffic to your website to somehow get them to give you information, you're losing your current data. I mean, online ordering has blown up. I have a friend of mine who's got a restaurant that before the pandemic never did online ordering. He turned on his toast online ordering. 17,000 unique people have ordered from him in a, since the pandemic started. Yeah. I mean, that's been a lifeline for so many restaurants that didn't um, you know, have an online ordering system in place before. And it's absolutely essential today. And that will not change. That is such a new way forward in this business. But here's the crazy part about that, Roger. Mm-hmm is that he's got 17,000 people that have ordered online. Right. In order to order online, first name, last name, email, phone number, and then what they ordered. He told me, he's like, I haven't used that data for Yeah, they're not using the data. It's there. It's, it's like gold. It's a treasure chest. And so many restaurants aren't using the data. Absolutely right. And so that's a key element. And then the last yeah. two places are online traffic like Yelp and Google, mm-hmm. my business, and then Facebook and Instagram. So that's the place you can get attention. The next part is getting their information. So somebody asked me the other day, okay, Matt, what are the things I got to have? I said, number one, you've got to have their name. Cause I don't think if like this entire interview, when you interviewed me, if you didn't like even know my name to start, it'd be kind of weird. Uh, it's the same way in marketing that if you don't know your customers' names, if you can't send them an email that says, Hey, Matt, we appreciate your business. If you can't run marketing, send a text message to Matt instead of saying, hey, you. People respond to their name differently. If I'm walking down a street, which I was the other day, and this guy said, Matt, and I turned and looked at him and he was yelling at a Matt who was sitting at a table, ironically enough, I responded. If somebody just said, hey, I might not have turned around. Or I might have been like, you know, randomly wondering who he's talking to. So name is number one. Uh, Number two, in my opinion, is visit frequency. I want to know if Roger is a new frequent or lost customer. I can ask a question that says, hey, Roger, so we can build your profile. Let us know which answer below fits you better. I've never been to your restaurant before. I come all the time. I rarely come. If they're rarely, they're infrequent. They're a lost customer. Because in my mind, if they're not coming frequently, you lost them. Because all you're waiting for is for them to find some place that gets that infrequent to become never. If they're brand new, Great. And if they're frequent, 
and you know it. But what reason I do that is I want to have a different conversation. A new customer needs to be indoctrinated. What is my menu? You can retarget them on Facebook and email and text with, hey, welcome to our database. Here's a video that'll walk you through who we are and the owners. Here's a link to our menu. Here's our hours. Here's our parking, whatever. You got to indoctrinate them. A frequent customer doesn't need any of that. They just need to be high-fived or fist-bumped a little more often. And then that lost customer, you got to find a way. Why are they lost? I was talking to a restaurant recently that was in uh, downtown Chicago, uh, Taco Lulu, Michael Stadnicki. And we were talking about his brand. And I said, you got a lot of lost customers because you were their Taco Tuesday when they were working in downtown. They aren't working in downtown yet. There's still downtown Chicago as a ghost town for around his restaurant. You know, there's 100,000 people not working. I said, so you've got a lot of lost customers that used to be Taco Tuesday that are now Taco No Day with you. How do we reactivate them? How do we get them to go, man, I miss Taco Tuesday. Even though I'm not working downtown, I'm going to take the 20 minutes once every couple of weeks to come back there because I love that place. And so you've got to have a strategy that approaches that each of those people differently. Otherwise, if you approach everybody the same, you miss. If I talk to my wife, my son, and my daughter identically the same, I miss because my wife, my daughter is identical to me. It's kind of scary, but she is. My son is the complete opposite of me. And then my wife you know, doesn't give a shit. And so I got to figure out a way to talk to each one of them a little differently. The other aspect after that is I get their cell phone number. It's the most important piece of data you can get after that because it's the easiest form of communication. It's the most intrusive. Uh, then I get email and then I get birthday. And then at that point, I start marketing to them down different paths. Okay. We're covering a lot of ground here, but I, I've got to ask, okay, so there's a technological aspect here that we're talking about capturing sensitive information that we can then use to attract them to come back again and again. Okay. That's important. You asked for the cell phone number. Obviously we want to text people because text is far more effective than email these days. It's got a higher open rate. It's like people will look at a text no matter what it is. And you got that split second to either have a compelling message there or people quickly realize, oh, this is junk. I want to, you know, unsubscribe or all that kind of stuff. But before we go there, where can we find a balance between the personal human touch of the staff that work in restaurants that are brand ambassadors for your business that recognize regular repeat guests and make them feel like they're the most important guests in addition to just using the technology to reach them with an offer, a promotion, something to get them back in the door? There's a balance there and I know you've got it. Yeah. So, and there's technology to help with that as well. I mean, so okay. the balance, the balance can be number one, the most important thing is to get the customer's information because that is your, that is your mechanism to get them back more often at the end of the day. You know, I call it uh, hope and pray versus aim and expect. Yes. I hope, I hope Matt <laughs> hope had a pray. good meal. I hope Matt had a good meal. Mm -hmm. I pray that the next time he thinks about having tacos, he comes to my restaurant. I prefer aim and expect. Matt is in my database. Matt is a frequent customer. I'm going to aim at him with this messaging. I'm going to expect a certain percentage of those people in that database, like frequent men customers to come into my restaurant for this reason. That's how you have to approach it. Uh, that's that part of it. On the personal side, you know, that's where it comes down to the wait staff. And some of that's probably above my pay grade, but there are different ways to recognize when somebody comes in, like we've got ways that we can change in our system, you know, the colors, the graphics that if somebody's a new customer and they show their phone to the server, it's obvious they're a new customer. If they're a frequent customer, they're purple and the imagery looks like this. Now you Got can it. See, you know yeah. it's a free 
you can have different customers. Hey, man, welcome back. We know you're in here all the time. There's ways to cheat the system. Hey, another way to cheat the system, it depends on your type of service, is uh, you know Matthew Borowski of uh, 618 Restaurant New Jersey was telling me a story in my podcast when I was visiting him last summer up there about how he uses open table. And their key element of open table isn't necessarily the systematic way to make reservations. It's the way to store the data for future reservations. So he told me a story. He's like, Matt, all of our servers have a conversation, have a valid conversation, uh, have rapport, the manager have a table touch, but then go back to open table and put what you found. One of the managers one times puts in there, the reason they were having dinner that night was it was their son's last day before he heads off to Harvard. So the next time that guy came in, Matthew saw it, walked over and said, Mike, what's going on? Hey, how's your son enjoying Harvard? And this guy looked Excellent. at Excellent. Yep. Like, are you kidding me? Yes. Believe it. And he's like, hey, he's loving it. And now the sudden, Beautiful. you're not a number. I want to, and I want to point mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. real quick. Right. So about two years ago, I guess it was 2018, middle of 2018, I'm sitting down with the marketing director of a brand. And I went up there to show him the data from five of his restaurants. Two of the, three of the restaurants had hired us on their own, their franchise. Two of them, corporate had hired us and said, these guys are doing bad. Please work some magic, do something. I didn't know the two they hired us. I just knew that they were a client. I didn't know the operator at all. I knew the first three because they physically reached out and said, hey, you work with our, our, our franchises, help us out. So I went up there and I said, I want to show you the data. He said, okay. I said, here's a thousand dollar ad spend over 60 days, each of these places. They were each spending 500 bucks a month. I said, that thousand, and we had it broken down in a bunch of columns. Column one was the pay, how much they spent, a thousand on the ads. Uh, column two, this is all social media. Column two was how many impressions that got, how much reach we had. So, what was our unique audience there, unique reach? How many engagements, how many shares, and then how many people gave us their data, how many people redeemed an offer, because we sent them an offer that's trackable. And how much was re- and how much sales was on the front end? So a lot of data there. I looked at it and said, "Here's the thousand dollars," and I said, the, "All of them got the same amount of impressions. All of them had the same reach. It's a pretty simple equation. You spend this much money on Facebook and reach many people. It's pretty repeatable nationwide." I said, "Where it starts to drop off is it drops off on the number of engagements. Less people engaged in these two lower stores than they did the top three, top five, or the whole five. The top two were really awesome. The middle one was average. The other two sucked." And that was the two they had given us. And that's why they gave them to us. That's why they were spending money because those two franchises were struggling. And so their engagements were terrible. And then you go to the engagements, their shares were even less. I mean, the one location for a thousand bucks had 180 shares. The bottom location had like 15 shares. And then that led to less people giving us data, less people walking in the restaurant, less sales. I said, can I make a guess for you? He goes, what? These bottom two stores, I said, the bottom one, he's an attorney. And the second from bottom is a backup house guy. And he looks at me. And at this point, I had never met the CEO of the brand. He had never come out and met me. Now we're friends. He looks at his phone. He starts typing away. And I'm like, what's he doing? It was like, it was kind of weird because I didn't make, I didn't make the connection that he was texting somebody. 30 seconds later, door opens up. Here's the CEO. Matt, tell him what you just told me. Okay. So I go through the whole thing and he goes, yeah, that's Steve. He's an attorney. And number the stuff, the other store you pointed out, he was the general manager at a Chipotle down the street, bought a franchise, is scared to death to come out front. He's the back of house guy. He hates the front, but he runs a perfect operation outside of the front. He goes, how do you know this? And I said, well, number one, it was a guess on the last guy. 
I said the fourth, the the, the second to the last store was easy because you could tell from his reviews and all the feedback that the store was very clean and run very well outside of a personality. I said the last one, everything was a complete shit show. I said, how did I know it? Because he doesn't walk in the restaurant. He doesn't care. I said, the reason all this comes together is it starts with the engagements and the shares is at the very top store. I know that owner. It's a husband and wife. The second store, I know him. It's a guy. And the third store, I know the lady. The, all of them work in their four walls. And if I walk in that location, they're going to greet me with my name. They're going to know my order. They're going it's, to, it's, I'm a relationship. I'm a customer. The bottom two, I'm going to walk in. I'm a number. I am there to get food and leave. And so reason I know that from this social media line of shares is that if Matt Plapp comes across that restaurant that he loves and he high fives the owner and they, they already have his Mountain Dew poured when he walks in yes, and I see their promotion on Facebook, I share it and I transfer the trust to my friends and go, this is my place. These guys are awesome. These are the owners. You got to go. The customer of those bottom two stores doesn't care. They have no relationship. And so when they see that promotion on Facebook, they don't share it and they don't transfer the trust. And so when you talk about that relationship with open table and technology, that if to tie it all together, that if you're using technology to gather data and you're using that data to talk to your customers and you're doing what you should be doing anyways, having what you know, a table touch inside the restaurant, knowing your customers ordering, then it transfers all the way down the line. You get more social media exposure, you get more shares, you get more engagements, you get more people to give you their data, you get more data, you get more people to walk in, you get more attention. Attention is the key element that all restaurants miss. You do not get your customer's attention often enough to increase your sales long-term. You're, you're touching on another point, and maybe you made this distinction, and maybe I missed it, but let's make clear to the audience the distinction between awareness and reach. Yeah. I think so, that's important to talk about. So for me, reach is what you have the potential to do. Like a lot of people don't realize this. Uh, pick any radio station in any city. And let's say in Cincinnati, Q102, awesome radio station, been around forever, heritage station. They reach, probably they'll tell you, you we reach 200,000 people a week. Okay, cool. Of those 200,000 people, that that number comes from, number one in radio, it comes from about a thousand people telling them they listen to a certain radio station and they multiply that number out. So if you ever hear a TV or radio station tell you their numbers, it's based on a batch of about a thousand and built out to 200,000, whatever the market is. The second part is reach is only the ability. If I'm on Facebook on my phone and I'm scrolling and your ad for your restaurant reaches me, it doesn't mean I didn't need it. It doesn't mean I stopped and looked Thank at you. it. Thank you. Right awareness is that I stopped and went, oh, barley corns. And then engagement is I took an action. I mm -hmm. clicked see more. I clicked the picture to blow it up. I commented on the post. I liked, I shared it. I clicked the link to go take whatever action they had in that ad. So a lot of people get, like I, when I sold radio, I'm, I'm guilty of this. And a lot of what I'm telling you today and what's in my books and what's it's so all based on reach. I'm going to reach 200,000 people with your ad, not that 200,000 people care or give a shit, right? And or do something, take an action like you say. So thank you for clarifying that because that is a sales point that so many salespeople use to reach you, to get you to take that action. Here, spend $500 a week on this advertising and you will reach 200,000 people or whatever. And the ROI is just not going to be there. But it's would, about awareness. I was that salesperson. So a lot of what I, I preach right now, all of my lessons are from falling down and getting up. 
I had a sales meeting before I walked in here this morning with seven of my, my, my team. And I said, hey guys, you failed this week on this. You failed on this. You failed on this. You failed on this. Quit frowning. Every time you fail, it's a chance to get up and smile. It's an opportunity to fix something. Well, I know about reach because I bragged about reach my first couple of years on radio. Oh my gosh, WGR, we reach 155,000 35 to 55 year old baby boomers. You need to be on my station. And I remember looking back eight, nine, 10 light years later and understanding, man, how wrong I was. It's not reach, it's awareness because think about it. Let's narrow that down. Let's just say from a, anything that you reach, uh, let's say 100,000 people. Well, then yeah, you reached them, but how many people actually saw it? Let's say it's now 10,000. Now those 10,000 saw it, but how many engaged? Now it's at 3,000. Well, how many engaged that weren't distracted? Like, you know, just like, like my yes. daughter Snapchat and hits a heart, 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 heart. She's an actually, yeah, she engaged, but she didn't go real deep with it. So the concept of what we teach and what we talk about is you can get that, that awareness on the front end. You can get them to engage at a deeper level and get their data. And then you can get more data as they engage. Like we talk about in the book, is that like that stuff at 618, you got Matt Plapp's name, phone, and email. Now find out, is he married? Is he single? Does he eat lunch or dinner at your restaurant? Uh, does he live or work near your restaurant? There's a lot of things you can find out. And then the last part of that equation is using that data to drive people's attention back on your brand. And that's where a lot of restaurants lose customers. As I, I had an example the other day when I spoke on Monday at our open house. I said that I'm using this. I'm speaking next week at the South Carolina Restaurant Association show uh, along with Cisco. And, I, and my, my presentation is about 600 people. That 600 people is what you need to engage at a very high level on an annual basis to increase your sales or to impact your sales, not increase, impact your sales 100 grand. And the reason I say that is all you got to do is get 200 people to come five more times a year. 200 people to come 10 more times a year, 200 people to come 15 more times a year. That's 6,000 annual visits. Let's say 20 bucks. That's $120,000 in sales. If you can use your marketing to drive those incremental visits, that's incremental profit. You already have all the overhead. And what my example of this 600 was showing them how they're failing. Let's just use email as an example. You have a thousand person email list and that thousand person email list every week, you hammer them with a sales pitch of why your restaurant, why to eat at my restaurant, why to drink at my restaurant, why to come here for entertainment. Oh, that thousand person list by the end of 52 weeks is 600 people. That 600 people left, 400 people left because they opted out because they're tired of seeing stuff about your restaurant because they just don't need, as much as I love certain restaurants, I don't need to see an email every week that tells me their menu. I go to Barleycorns to get doc style wings and Saratoga chips. I do not get anything else. I'm a frequent customer. I don't need to see your fish tacos. I don't need to see wine night. It just isn't, doesn't matter for most people. And the other aspect of that is they opt out and then they also quit opening your email. So you might start that thousand person email list on day one, say week one at a 40% open rate. Well, by the time you get to week 52, you're at a 600 person list at a 10% open rate. So you went from reaching 400 people to reaching 60 people or some of that neighborhood. Well, my tactics, what I talk about in the book are don't engage your customers on a weekly basis with email and text as an example. Engage them on a less frequent, more targeted. So you might say the first week of the month, I'm going to email and text my men customers. The second week of the month, I'm going to email and text my female customers. The third week of the month, I'm going to target my frequent customers. The fourth week of the month, I'm going to target my new and lost customers. I'm going to target different people each week. And then on top of that, so at the end of the year, I don't send you know, Roger 52 emails. Roger gets 24 emails. So Roger 
is I'm a little uh, scarce. That's what somebody told me the other day. They told me, Matt, as a coach, you got to become more scarce. Quit answering your phone. Like people call you. I had a CEO of a company text me last night, 1130. I answered. And my coach says, Matt, quit answering. The more scarce you are, the more of a commodity, the more valuable you are. And I'm like, that's hard. But from a restaurant standpoint, I get that. if your email is more scarce, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, not a, I'm not accustomed to this. I'm going to open it. But then you take that a next step. Let's say that Roger gets 24 emails from Matt Plapp's restaurant. But of those 24, only six of them ask Roger for business. And then six of them give Roger a valid reason. Like say, for example, because uh, uh, Roger, you're married, right? Yes. So let's say it's uh, spouse's day. I don't even know that exists or not. I'm sure it does. But hey, Roger, next month is spouse's day. Click below, go to Facebook, share a special memory of why your spouse is a rock star. Like the rock star tie in there? I love it. Now they (laughs) go to Facebook. Roger shares a picture of him and his wife at the ski resort and drops three lines about it. So now that email from the restaurant to Roger wasn't about eating at Matt's restaurant, wasn't about a special, wasn't about entertainment. It was about Roger. And then now you take six times a year, you're going to market some type of uh, event that ties in with them. Again, it's not about the restaurant's event. It's, hey, Matt, it's fantasy football this month. Who's on your draft board? Click here to go on, on our Facebook page, on Instagram, on a landing page. Drop in your top five picks. We're going to pick random winners for $25 gift cards. So now you just email them a way to engage. You gave them a chance. They opened it up because now they know you don't email crap all the time. You gave them a reason to click because you targeted your men who told you they like fantasy football. You know, you, you build this list every year and find out things they like. And then you get them to engage on social media or somewhere else. And so my point is that if over the course of a year, if uh, say, for example, out of those 24 emails, six are hardcore selling a food item, six are selling a reason for Roger to engage at a deep personal level, Six are getting Roger to engage at a, uh, a a level like, you know, an event like fantasy football, Mother's Day, Father's Day, whatever. And then six of them are a contest. I'm a huge believer in contests. Hey, Roger, you like beer. We like beer. Here's a bowl of hops. Go to our Facebook page and guess how many hops are in this bowl. We're going to give somebody a $100 gift card to come here and drink beer. And so now they go to Facebook, 2,000 people comment, 7, 12, 14. It's really simple to guess on something. And if you look at that on an annual basis, now you've just taken that 1,000-person list and you've not emailed them 52 times. You've emailed them, let's say, 26 times. And of those 26 times, instead of them opting out, now you have that 1,000 people is closer to 900 people in 12 months. And of those 900 people, you've got a 30 to 40% open rate still versus going to 10 You've now had more impressions and impact on four to 500 people every other week than you had the year before. You made a really interesting point about contests. Contests and promotions and these things are really exciting, but you can't overpromise an extraordinary offer. You make a reference in your book about the average person you'd think would think that lifetime, you won wings at this wing place for a year versus a $50 gift card or some reference like that. And nine times out of 10, people think that the value is in the gift card, not winning lifetime wings. Talk about that. I want to tell you another story on that. I (laughs) I love that. Here's a funny story that's a a little different about that, but it comes back to it, I promise. So when we first did that contest, uh, I actually physically worked. And again, a lot of what I've done, I've done everything I preach. I was at Quaker Steak in Lube Milford. 
Uh, I was actually there two days ago talking to the GM. I want to stop by and see her. Kathleen, rock star GM, unbelievable human being, loves her employees. But I stopped by to see her. And it brought back this memory of when we did what you just talked about, the year of wings. So we came up with this promotion. Matt Plapp said, man, I would love a year of wings. Sounds awesome. Yes, it does. So I'm going to give you two examples of how we failed in that promotion, but also I'm going to give you a, or one example, one example of how people's assumptions fail. So I'm in the parking lot and they're having bike night and bike night at Quaker Steak and Lube. If you don't know the brand, they do a bike night. I know the, yeah, I know the brand. So this one gets about 1500 bikes to show up on Wednesday. That's huge. Yeah. I'm in the parking lot. I'm walking around. I've got an iPad that all these people have to do is scan the code or click. They can scan the code and go. So we had QR codes. This is like, this is 2015. So we had QR codes before the pandemic and people were like, what is this crazy thing? Or they could fill out the form. So I walk up and I'm like, Hey, what's up fellas? Hey, Matt, Quaker second loop marketing. Who wants to win wings for a year? Heck yeah, man. I thought I want wings for a year. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All you got to do is scan this, uh, go to Facebook or go to our Facebook page and comment on this and you'll be registered. And this guy goes, Facebook, I, I'm not on Facebook. And I go, uh, oh, okay, well, I guess well, you can't win the wings then. And he goes, well, I mean, I, I, I have a Facebook account. Like he literally went from, because uh, I think I went back, I think I started the conversation with saying, hey, who has a Facebook account? Okay. Yep. Went a year of wings. And this guy was literally Mr. Harley Davidson, gruff guy, had the beard. I thought he was going to kill me. Uh, and there's another assumption I'll make because he was probably an attorney. But he looked at me. Right, like, right. On a Harley, right? The Harley, a professional's riding Harleys. He's like, I'm not on Facebook. It was really like an insult to him. And then I explained how they could win a year mm-hmm. of free wings. Yep. And he's like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have a Facebook account. And long story short, he went on there and entered the contest right in front of me. So it was kind of funny. But the other thing with that was we got done with it. And I looked back and I was really underwhelmed by the people that we were able to get in store at bike nights, at their truck night, at their classic car cruise in, the servers on Facebook, on the website. I was like looking at the numbers. I'm like, wow, we should have had 10 times more people enter this contest. It's wings for a year. It's one time a week you get wings. So then I did an experiment. I went the complete opposite direction. Uh, they had these $10 dinner cards is what they called them. It was $10. It was $10 cash, basically. Whatever's on the menu, 10 bucks off or $10 something sure. free. Yep. Got on Facebook. Hey, do something below. I think it was like, answer this question below for a chance to win a dinner. I think I might've said like drums or flats or boneless or regular wings for a chance to win a $10 dinner card. No lie, like crazy response. And I'm like, okay, people are, there's something wrong here. Like wing for a year or a $10 dinner card. So I started messaging people. I noticed people's names that were frequent customers because I was real involved in the brand. And I looked at them and I also surveyed some random people. I found out that a lot of them said, I didn't think that I thought it was a scam, the free wings for a year. It was too good to be true. Thank you. Too good to be true. $10 dinner card was like, hey, I mean, might as well try. Sure. And it had value. That is so interesting. But you know what? You also made another point in the book about the harder you make it for people to engage, the less engagement you'll get. Now, that's not exactly how you put it. You can explain it more eloquently than that, but let's talk about that concept. And and I think you sort of touched on it because somebody, the gears kind of ground to a halt when that guy said, oh, I got to go to Facebook to do this, right? So it wasn't easy, simple, and an immediate response to get the action you want. Yeah. So there's two things that will really drag down uh, your promotion, let's say. Uh, number one is if there's strings attached, uh, you know, with the same exact restaurant, Quaker Steak and Lube, we did two promotions. A, and I think this is in the book. I can't, I'm pretty sure it is. We had free, uh, we had a free appetizer or we had free appetizer with purchase. 
And we saw a huge increase in the people that opted in to get the free appetizer versus the three free appetizer with purchase. Because, and at the end of the day, it's the same thing because nobody's 99% of people aren't walking in a restaurant, getting a free app, getting a water and going, yeah, I beat the man and running out. If you market correctly and you target your customers in your four walls, they will come in and eat the entrees anyway. So the more restrictions you put on a promotion, the less effective it is. Like I actually had one recently where the guy's like, hey, we're going to do a free soft drink with two entree purchases. I'm like, wow, why don't you just punch them in the throat to begin with? <laughs> that is a terrible offer. And the guy was like, yeah, go, dude, would you want that? Like, would you go to a restaurant to get a free Coke when you buy $40 in food? Because they were entrees are like 18 to 20 bucks. He's like, right, right. Yes, not. Yeah, well, exactly. The other side of it is the places you got to go. I saw one the other day that was, it's a restaurant that I like that I don't frequent and they had an awesome promotion, but I had to download their app from the app store. I'm not a big user of apps. Me and I'm either. Also not yep. a hardcore, I'm not a hardcore fan of your restaurant. Why am I going to go to the app store, download the app, remember my password to Apple for one thing. I literally have a note in here that's password. And I go in there like on a weekly basis, my daughter, my son, or my wife ask for the Apple password. I have no clue what it is. So now I got to go in my notes, figure out my password, download the app, yeah. put my name, phone number, birthday, email, gender, address. I mean, it's crazy. And so like we run across brands all the time. Like a lot of brands love their app. I, I equate the apps are like the ugly website from 20 years ago. You know, oh, we got a website. We're the only pizza joint in our city with a website. It's awesome. Like, well, you might have one. It actually is terrible. Let me help you with it. And if you called their website terrible, it's like you called their kid ugly. Well, now right, that is right. app. I deal with restaurants all the time. I talked to a restaurant the other day, a marketing director of a big brand. And they love their app. And they were talking about different strategies. I said, you know, your app last month, they had told me the numbers, 148 people for this one location of this franchise downloaded the app or like joined the app. And I said, 148. Yeah. I said, you know that that restaurant, the program we're helping because they were, they were inquiring because they saw that we were helping them with some local store marketing and a lot of brands, there's animosity. Who is this? Who's this America's best restaurants company? And why are they doing marketing? We do the marketing for the brand. And they're like, Matt, we really want people to go to our app. I'm like, okay, that's cool. How many people did it last month? Oh, we got 148 new people. I said, and they said, if you do 12 a year, boom, that means this client gets 1,500. I said, okay, great. So what if they had 5,000 go to the app? Well, that would be gold. I said, here's what we're going to do. Our program, the one you're calling me about, got 300 people last week to give them their information. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, three. I pulled the dashboard, showed them. I said, 125 of those people told us they were frequent customers. You know what we do with those 125, the next step? What? We send them a link to your app. The new and lost customers, the other remainder of those 300, they get some valuable offers to get them to take action, walk in the restaurant, get them to become more frequent. Then we drive them to the app. And literally, we've done this with a lot of people. They want to drive everybody to their app. I'm like, a new customer to your brand is not downloading your app. Not happening. An infrequent customer isn't downloading your app. Nope, you're what right. we've seen is that about 60% of the people that engage in marketing campaigns are lost or new. And so four out of 10 people might like might be a good audience for your app, but only two of them are doing it. So now you just excluded eight of 10 people from the call to action. Whereas if you had multiple paths, and like our path is really easy. You click a button, you answer five questions, you get a valuable offer. If you tell us you're a frequent customer, you get one offer and a link to the app. And after you use the offer, you get hit with the app again. 
If you're a person that's brand new, you get four offers. After you use two of those four offers, you get a link to the app because now we've got a little more indoctrinated. So you have to make getting people's information easy and telling them to remember their Apple password and download an app and fill out 20 questions isn't easy. Nope. You're right. Now we've covered a lot of ground here today. What's your best advice to operators today as we emerge from this pandemic and to build their businesses stronger in the future and to really reach new customers and get them to be repeat customers? So glad you asked that. Uh, I've got three things, but the number one most important part is get visible. Like what is it costing us right now to do this interview on Zoom? Really nothing. I mean, you've got a subscription. uh, It's 20, 30, 40 bucks a month. You know, Facebook Live is free. YouTube is free. Instagram is free. Snapchat, TikTok, LinkedIn, all of them are free. Number one, get visible. Take this little device, swallow your freaking pride. Take this little device, buy a $20 light on Amazon, get a little microphone you can hook up to it. Just do it organically. Buy a $5 tripod. And we actually give tripods. Well, I don't know if you know this or not. Probably didn't. But when we travel, like today, I think we've got eight places we're stopping by. All eight restaurants will get a kit from us, a swag bag. And one of it's a tripod. We spend, we literally spend like two grand a month, our company on giving free tripods to restaurants. And I tell restaurants, why? You need to use it. Like get on there. If you own a restaurant, if you're a general manager, if you're a chef of a restaurant, people do business with people they like. You will attract more people that like you when you get on camera. That was the biggest difference during the pandemic we saw was the restaurateurs like Brian Picard from Fatty Smokehouse in Moore, Oklahoma, got more business because people did business with them because they knew that it impacted a local person. They could put a face with the name. So number one, mm, right. visible. Number two, do whatever you can do to get attention. I wear orange shoes. I wear food socks every day. Today, I've got donut socks. I had a donut this morning. I wear donut socks on Wednesday, reminded me not to eat donuts. I wear donut socks on Friday, reminded me, hey, I earned a donut. <laughs> Do it, get attention. I wear orange shoes. I, I drive an orange Lamborghini. I have an orange Mercedes van. I have uh, orange shirts. I'm loud. I'm out there. I do content all the time. Get attention. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, email, text, flyers, direct mail. Uh, last night, I went to Buffalo Wings and Rings in Union, Kentucky. You know why I went there? Because they sponsored the TD club of the football team. My son plays football. My daughter used to cheer. They had a sponsorship night where, hey, everything you come, everybody that comes here, we donate money to the team. Nice. They have my attention because yeah. they sponsor something that's near and dear to me. Yep. They said, hey, we're having this night. My wife, It wasn't an option. My wife texted me, we will be at Buffalo Wings and Rings at 730. Be there. I was there. 736, but I was there. And I was reminded I was there at 736 and to get attention. And so do whatever means you can to get attention, because at the end of the day, the more attention you get, the better. But then the last step is get data from the attention. Buffalo Wings and Rings has my information. In order for them to, for them sponsoring the touchdown club, they get the database of the touchdown club. And so now they can tell Christy Plapp, hey, Christy, touchdown club sponsor here, Buffalo Wings and Rings and Union. This Thursday, dine to donate, bring your family and friends. And here's a link to Facebook to share this to all the Raider Nation. Guess what happened? We went. went. Our yep. friends went. My son went. My son forgot the tip. And I, my wife had to get, track the guy down and give him five bucks. He was, you know, he's too cool to be with his parents now. He's at his own table. I hear you. And apparently, he doesn't remember the tip. But that would be my thing. Get visible with video. Tell your story. And I, I'll go back to that real quick. Mm-hmm. When 
when I was looking last July, I literally sat down, like you said, we, I eat out a lot. Me and my wife, we don't cook much. Uh, we just realize we're not that good at cooks. And at the same time, we realize we have enough money to eat out more often. So we, I'm going to go to a restaurant who's a heck of a lot better at cooking. So I'm going to go do that. We looked after about three months of the pandemic and I hadn't visited any chains. I hadn't been to Applebee's, Rafferty's. I hadn't been to McDonald's, Taco Bell. I hadn't been in those places. I thought, why? And I looked at where I had been. I had been at Colonial Cottage. I had been at Barleycorns. I had been at this Buffalo Wings and Rings. I had been at all these places. And some of them are franchise chains, but they were places where I knew the owner. I knew a manager. I knew a server. I knew a bartender. And I wanted to support them. I don't know anybody that works at McDonald's. Anybody works at Applebee's in some of these cases. And the reason I knew them was their awareness. They're out there. They're on video. They're on camera. <clears throat> and so that was a big thing that we supported places that we had a deeper connection with than just a number. And so those are the things you've got to do. You've got to be impacting your community. You've got to be visible. You've got to do whatever you can do to get awareness. And you've got to do whatever means possible to get Matt Plapp's information. Because if you get my information, circles back to the beginning, you can retain my attention over and over and over and over. That's beautiful. Well, Matt, how can we get the book? Uh, Amazon's the best place. We have websites that we have it on, but honestly, mm -hmm. sometimes my team is slow to ship. Uh, we're not the greatest at that stuff, but I would encourage you, Amazon, uh, Matt Plapp, go there, look it up. All three books are there, but you know, this is the most impactful. I took the best parts from that book the other two books, put them in there, got a little deeper. Uh, and I'm already working on the next book, ABR, Attract, Build, Retain. So that's going to be fun. I'm going to have that out in the mid to late next year. But go to Amazon, buy the book. And also, if you can, leave a review. If you think it's terrible, leave a review. If you think it's awesome, leave a review. And if you send me a selfie yeah. with you in the book, I will send you some free MP swag. <laughs> so nice. it's, my cell phone number uh, is 859 743 2408. You can find that on Google because it's pretty out there. I only have one number. Uh, I don't have two phones like the one rapper. I got one. And then you can also message me on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram. But if you send me a selfie with the book, I'll get your address and we will send you some MP swag. That's fantastic. Thanks for that offer. Well, Matt Plapp, you've been a great guest on the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. That was our episode and we'll see you next time. Stay well, everybody. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, sir. That's Love. great. Wow, that was such a dynamic, awesome episode. Thanks so much to Matt Plapp from America's Best Restaurants and Restaurant Marketing. That works. You know, Matt has a generous offer. If you missed it in the episode, if you take a selfie with the book and text that number, text to 859-743-2408, Matt's going to send you some cool swag. So take advantage of that. But I definitely recommend the book. I enjoyed reading it and it makes sense. You know, in that book, we talked all about building a database and the importance of really communicating and getting engagement with your audience and giving them calls to action and lots of value added as well as the lifetime value of the customer. So if that intrigues you, you should check out the Mug Club program we have at restaurantrockstars.com. If you have a bar that serves draft beer, if you have a coffee shop that has coffee every single day, a Mug Club is a way to build a loyal repeat audience that comes in. If they used to come in maybe once or twice a month, now suddenly you've created an exclusive club where they're coming in multiple times a week because they feel like they're VIPs in your place. It has several benefits. It'll give you all the marketing information that Matt talks about, email capture, you know, their cell phone number, their name, all the nuances and 
what they're all about as people. But it brings them in several times a week. Not only do they spend lots of money, but you can charge a membership fee for them to join your club. And it could be thousands of dollars. And no time is more important now than to getting extra cash, especially during the labor shortage when we need to pay our people more money and incentives to get them in the door and to find new people, keep them happy, all that sort of thing. This is an opportunity. So check out our Mug Club program. It's a step-by-step tutorial where you can create a mug club in your restaurant or coffee shop, how it works, how to get it sponsored. So the best part, it doesn't cost you anything. It's pure and clear cash flow that comes in. And we'll teach you how to you know, treat your customers like VIPs in your restaurant. It's that cheers formula. Everyone wants to go where everyone knows their name. And that's what the Mug Club is all about. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week. Seven Shifts, the all-in-one labor management platform, as well as Cisco. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.